You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Monkey. Hello, my radio friends. Glad you've joined me again to hear more from God's Word, the Bible. The title of today's program might seem a trifle unusual, but I'm fairly certain you'll understand better as we get further into the topic. Monkeys are certainly very interesting creatures, and it's possible to be absorbed for a long time watching their antics but monkeys can be absolute pests. A friend of mine who recently visited Sri Lanka told me of an incident where he witnessed a monkey swoop down from a tree and snatch a lady's mobile phone with her credit cards that were kept in the phone's cover. It wasn't very interested in the credit cards and dropped them much to the lady's relief. But the monkey was fascinated with the phone and kept staring at the shiny screen. While the monkey was admiring itself, people started throwing things at the monkey and it wasn't long before the phone also was dropped. I've seen a documentary on television about monkeys that have adapted to living wild in some cities in India. They are agile, quick and resourceful and will go so far as entering a house through an open window, snatching food from the table and to be out again so quickly that the people inside were completely outwitted and unprepared for such an event. In other places, monkeys steal steal food from farmers' crops and are considered extreme pests. I heard of a situation in South America where monkeys were coming out of the jungle and stealing rice from the rice fields. Some of the farmers there are subsistence farmers, and are ill able to afford their crops being damaged or stolen by the monkeys. So they have developed a technique for catching the monkeys. What they do is they get a coconut or gourd and make a smallish hole in one end and some bigger, I'm sorry, and some smaller holes at the other end through which a rope is passed and the coconut is anchored to the ground or some sort of solid object. Then the farmer places some rice in the coconut through the first hole, and then he goes away and hides. Any curious monkey in that vicinity either sees the farmer putting the rice in the coconut or smells the rice comes down from the trees and puts its hand in the coconut and 
grabs a handful of rice. At that moment, the farmer appears. The monkey tries to get away, but doesn't have the sense to open its hand and let the rice go. Instead, it hangs onto the rice, but its fist will not pass through the hole, and so it's stuck. The farmer then comes along with a heavy stick, wallops the monkey on the back of the head, and kills it. The monkey is not smart enough to realise that if it let go of the rice, it could es- could escape. But you know, surprisingly, some humans are just like those monkeys. They will hold on for dear life to misinformation, to habits and practices that entrap them. If only they would let go, they would be free. Now since this is a religious broadcast, I would like to share some thoughts with you about such people. Hopefully you're not one of them. If you are, think seriously about what changes you need to make in your life. And the things I want to share with you are about, first of all, false doctrine. Secondly, philosophy and worldview. And thirdly, stubbornness in maintaining a certain family tradition. And lastly, habits. Have you ever wondered why some people proclaim themselves as belonging to a certain religion? I'm aware of some who claim to be, say for example, Catholic, because their parents were Catholic, and their grandparents were Catholic, and because they were brought up as Catholic. Some of these people never attend church, never read their Bibles, never have anything to do with other church members and have no religious profession whatsoever. It's like somebody saying that they are golfers, yet they play no golf, they go to no golf events, they don't read books or magazines about golf or watch any golf on TV and they don't associate with golfers. Many people's claims to belonging to a particular religious group or church are based on tradition, and that's all. Their parents, grandparents, great-grandparents were, say for example, Catholics, and the answer is that it was good enough for my forebears that it's good enough for me. Now, here's an even more bizarre thing. If a son or daughter of theirs decided to disassociate it from that religion and join some other group, there quite often would be very stiff opposition. Those people are like the monkey, holding a few grains of rice in its fist and caught because of its own stubbornness and simple stupidity. Friends, in these broadcasts, 
I've endeavoured to present to you truth direct from God's word, the Bible. I'm certain that most of you understand what is presented. Yet, possibly, because of family tradition or otherwise, you hang on to what holds you, although you know you should make changes. Jesus had to deal with the same issue when he was here on earth. In John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, he said this, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He was in the business of setting people free to enjoy a new life, a life of salvation, of hope and assurance. Now back to the monkey. There's another sticking point where people like monkeys are caught by their own lack of enterprise. This relates to doctrine, or in other words, their beliefs. For me, what I believe is not based on a consensus or on what some notable and well-respected minister might have to say, And it's not based on what my parents believed. It's based on the Bible, what God has to say. What I believe has nothing to do with handed-down tradition or mysterious revelations. I believe what God has set down in his written word. And I'd like to say this, that my faith is not blind faith. My faith is evidence-based faith. I trust the Bible because what is testable has shown to be correct. Archaeology especially has revealed and supported biblical claims. Yet many in the religious community hold concepts and doctrine which is not supported by God's word. I believe many otherwise good, honest people have been deceived by false teachings, and because those teachings are widely accepted, they are assumed to be correct. Here are some of those false teachings which are very common. A. The teaching or doctrine of an ever-burning hell, where the wicked are supposedly mercilessly tortured by God as punishment for eternity. B. The teaching that at death the consciousness or the spirit of a person goes up to heaven immediately and lives there in the presence of God in a state of bliss. Another false teaching, the teaching that at death, body and spirit part company. And D, that at the death of Jesus, God's moral law, the Ten Commandments, were tossed out and were no longer valid or binding. E, that at the resurrection of Jesus the seventh day ceased to be the prescribed day of the week to keep holy and was replaced by Sunday worship. 
F. That the 70-week prophecy of Daniel 9 was not sequential, but that the 70th week was broken off from the other weeks and given an indeterminate time somewhere way in the future. G. That seven years prior to the physical, literal second coming of Jesus, there'll be a secret rapture and the living saints will vanish into thin air and be whisked away to heaven. H. Another false teaching is that God sometimes reveals, sorry, God sometimes reveals himself through the Holy Spirit. But when such a revelation is at odds with God's written word, the Bible, then one should accept the so-called revelation instead of the Bible. And then the last one, and there are probably more, is that one must speak in tongues in order to be saved. My dear friends, someone has monkeyed with the truth. None of those doctrines or teachings can be supported from the Bible. They're fabrications, false doctrines, yet sadly people hold on to those ideas even though they have no real scriptural base. It is also sad when someone believes something, for example, the dissolution of the Ten Commandments, based on misunderstanding of just one text, despite mountains of other texts which are evidence to the contrary. The wise saying, they can't see the forest for the trees, applies to such people. We're going to have a break before going on. The message of love and peace to no one. Well, I'm tired and so weary, but I must go along Till the Lord comes and calls, calls me away, oh yes And the morning's so bright, and the Lamb is the light And the night, night is as black as the sea, oh yes And there'll be peace in the valley for me someday Peace in the valley for me Dear Lord, I pray There'll be no sadness, no sorrow No trouble I see There'll be peace in the valley for me And the wolf will be tame And the lion shall lay down with the lamb Oh yes And the beast from the wild 
will be led by a little child And I will be changed from this creature that I am, thank God And there'll be peace in the valley for me someday Peace in the valley for me Dear Lord, I pray there'll be no sadness, no sorrow No trouble I see There'll be peace in the valley I'm sorry about the short break just before we played that song, but um, I just pressed the wrong button. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 15 is a warning from Christ. He said, Beware of false prophets. They'll come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. Some of those false teachers may appear to be innocent and harmless, but instead are dangerous and lead many people away from the truth. Another monkey holding onto a few grains of rice is people's world views. A world view is a philosophy about life. One such world view is to do with origins. The theory of evolution is about origins and has shaped the world view of many. Many people cannot or will not accept Christianity because they've been so brainwashed with the implausible and impossible theory of evolution teachings so that they do not believe in even the existence of any higher being than man, like God. I've got many books about the intelligent design versus evolution debate, and it's my considered conclusion that the evolution did it by itself arguments put up by the evolutionists, despite their popularity, are empty, lifeless, and require more faith to believe than the account as presented in the Bible. Other world views including, include materialism, scientism, hedonism, and various religious persuasions. Unlike pure Christianity, these world views offer no future, no forgiveness of sin, and are empty of that which satisfies the longing of the human heart. Even higher education can be like the monkey unwilling to become free because of his holding on to the few grains of rice. I know a number of people who are university educated, yet refuse to allow themselves to be exposed to the riches of God's word and refuse to believe that the Bible opens to people the possibility of being free from their sins and to have eternal life. Perhaps they think they are wiser and more intelligent than God. Now 
for the last monkey today. This refers to people who are trapped by their own habits. You may be one of these, or at least know someone like this. Take the smoker, for example. No one these days should be ignorant of the dangers to health from smoking tobacco. Yet despite the warnings on cigarette packets, warnings by doctors and health professionals, and dramatic anti-smoking cigarette commercials, many smokers are trapped by their own habit. My dear friends, I want to tell you how thankful I am never to have become a smoker. But we must not think that it's only smoking that traps us. Partying, drugs, drinking, addiction to sex, pornography, sport, watching late-night movies, the drive to get rich and even self-indulgence in any activity can limit our lives, our potential and our usefulness. And so often these sorts of things prevent people from making the decision to accept the salvation so freely offered by the Lord Jesus and escaping from the limiting way of life controlled by bad habits. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, are some very good instructions as to how a Christian overseer or elder should live. This instruction can well apply to anyone who wants a good, clean and happy life. It says, Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. A temperate lifestyle is best. The monkey trapped by its own greed and stupidity mentioned at the beginning of this program typifies many people. It would do well for us to examine our own lives and see what is trapping us. Trapping us from having an abundant life in the here and now and eternal life forever. I urge you, my friends, to let go of what is holding you back. Let go and let God. If you are somebody who keeps delaying the decision to accept Jesus' sacrifice for the forgiveness of your sins, why do you keep on delaying? Delay no longer. Because, you see, tomorrow you might not even be alive. You only get one lifetime in which you must make a decision to accept or reject God. There will be no second chance. Why don't you talk to God right now and say to him that you want to belong to him, 
that you want to have your sins forgiven, that you want to be free of what has trapped you up until the present moment. Ask him to help release you from what is holding you in its grip like that monkey did. God will listen, but you need to ask for deliverance. Well, with that today, my friends, we must stop. May God be with you until next time. And in the meantime, I wish you his blessings and his peace to be upon you. Oh